we want you to have a, a name that sounds like it blends in with the other Canadians. And if you want, you can even change your last name to Smith. But if there's one part of our family honor we insist upon, it's that you have a lunch that will gross out all the other children. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, what's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back for another episode of Medical Dads. That we are, and I've got an appetite for some good podcasting. Excellent, excellent. A midday appetite. Actually, not a big appetite. I'm not really hungry for some good podcasting, but like <laughs> enough to tide me over until the main meal at the end of the day. <laughs> well, in case people have not figured out, we're talking about school lunches today. And I promise you, this podcast is going to be longer than the typical school lunch that our children have at school. <laughs> Uh, but just as much of it will be left behind. <laughs> or will it? I mean, I mean, before we get start talking about school lunches, I, I did have a story for you about what's happening lately at home. Okay. So last week, you know, it's, it's, it's early in the school year. So early in the school year, the school's got all this administrative business they got to handle, right? So, so one of those things is they got to get the fire drills out of the way and they got to get the, the lockdown drills out of the way so that the students are set up for a year of safe learning. Right? Sign of our times that our kids have to practice hiding from gunmen. Yeah, it, it's pretty sad. Like, and I remember like when my older one had gone through kindergarten and, you know, they had done this lockdown business. I was, you know, picking up the children like a day or two after that and talking with one of the other parents in line. And the parent was like, yeah, I feel so sad for my kids that they have to go through this because we really didn't have to go through this as children. And I was like, yeah, I guess that it is kind of sad that they have to do this. And in the back of their mind, worry that, you know, Columbine or Sandy Hook could happen at any moment, <laughs> right. right? But it didn't really register. Like the lockdown thing happened. My daughter wasn't too bothered by it. And so it just kind of passed. But a couple of years have passed and now it's my son's turn, right? So he's first, this is his first year in school, right? Uh -huh. So comes home th th like last week and he's like all agitated about the lockdown drill, right? He's explaining to us that, you know, today the teacher showed us what we need to do in case of a lockdown uh -huh. and we're having a lockdown tomorrow and uh, it's okay because, you know, I'm just going to do Zoom tomorrow. Like, just set me up on Zoom. I'm going to stay home and do online <laughs> school tomorrow, right? <laughs> and I was like... First of all, you don't get to determine who does who does online school and who doesn't, right? Yeah, and when. And secondly, why are you worried about this lockdown, right? And he's like, well, because there's bad guys, right? The teacher said when the bad guys come, we got to duck under our desk and she's going to close all the windows. Yeah. And I was like, there is no bad guys. It's a drill, right? It's a practice, right? And I <laughs> For get when there are bad guys, for when the <laughs> right. day comes. So, I mean... I mean, if you remember from our Marvel episode, my son sometimes he cannot figure out what's the difference between reality and unreality, <laughs> right? right? And so he, he, this like when I tell him this is a drill, it just blows his mind, right? And and him and I are having this conversation in the middle of him doing his piano practice, and I'm uh. like, get back on the piano, stop <laughs> asking about the lockdown. There is no bad guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
and then he, was he saving just this display of psychological distress <laughs> until he needed it most. He's like, oh yeah, I know if I start telling my dad I'm afraid of bad guys at school, I won't have to keep this piano lesson going. <laughs> so then, so then this conversation keeps evolving, right? He, he he's he, he's harassing his sister about it. He's harassing me about it, and I, I, and especially during the piano practice, I was losing. I'm like. Just stop talking about it, right? There is no bad guy. It's a drill. A drill means that it's practice. There is no bad guy, right? Yeah. And I, I kept repeating this. And at some point, I would start to repeat, like, look, there's lockdown drills because there have been incidents in the United States. But there is no bad guys in Canada, okay? There's Uh-oh. no bad guys in Canada. It's an American thing, right? <laughs> He's going to read the internet and know that's not true. <laughs> at some point, I was like, look, there's no bad guys here. There's never been bad guys here. There, you don't have to worry. There's no bad guy. And he looks at me. He's like, "If there's never any bad guys, then why are we practicing?" <laughs> to which I had no answer. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> That's the problem with a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lie. Everything I told was true from a certain point of view. <laughs> that there's never been a, a case of a mass shooting or stabbing event in Canada. <laughs> that no Canadian school has ever dealt with somebody bringing a gun there. I suppose, I mean, the thing is actually there, there have been lockdowns. There have been actual lockdowns, right? Most of the times the schools are just being extra vigilant. You know, you know, someone's spotted in a neighborhood. Everyone locks down for a bit. I mean, in Toronto a few years back, there was the, sto- there was the time the dude like took a car and started crashing into people on the sidewalk on purpose right yeah. and mowing down people yeah. and it turned out that school wasn't uh, that incident wasn't too far from like my daughter's school it was like maybe a couple kilometers away but yeah. along young street that was like the biggest street in toronto along young street that day a lot of the schools went into this semi-lockdown mode right like no one was going outside for recess and yeah. stuff until this thing was contained but it, it, I mean, it, it, a, it is definitely a sad, you know, statement of the times of what our children have to grow up in. Yeah. Uh, and we did not have to deal with this, although you and I did have to grow up during the nuclear age, where we were constantly worried that a nuclear weapon would explode above our heads. Yeah, I mean, when people say stuff like, "Oh, yeah, you know, back in my day, we didn't have to worry about this." Uh, that sure, that's true for people like us in their forties that you didn't have a to do drills for for that type of thing, but. In our parents' generation, you know, or people in this in the fifties mm. and sixties, they had drills of duck and cover to get under your desk in case that atomic bomb drops. Yeah, and a lot of good that would do, right? That's right. And then, I guess the second part of this whole thing is just that it's sometimes just difficult to explain to a kid why they need to do these things, right? And I was trying to like make the analogy that this is it's like a fire drill. There's no fire now, but just in case, at least you have some practice of what to do. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's the approach you should have taken. It's like, I don't know why you're getting so upset about this, son. I mean, you do fire drills and that doesn't worry you. And a fire is way more likely to happen at your school (laughs) and probably more dangerous. If a fire rips through the school, you don't have a chance. Or at least if there's a gunman. I went went with a different take. I was like trying to explain that a drill is like a basketball drill. Like you just like how we practice our dribbling and our layups. You're going to be practicing this. But I, I don't think he understood that one either. Maybe you should have related it to what you were doing right there on the piano. Uh, son, it's like the <laughs> piano practicing we're doing right now. You're practicing, but you're never going to use this later in life. It's the same thing with the, with the lockdown drills. True, true. That, that would have been actually the most accurate version. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe sometime we'll do a, a podcast on uh, anxiety in children uh, in the context of there are real things in the world that are unpleasant. 
that if we try to protect our kids from too much, they won't be prepared to deal with if it ever happens. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's talk a little bit about school lunches. Yeah. This is actually one of my favorite, potentially favorite topics when we finally came up with this one, because this is an issue that affects most parents one way or the other. And I have a lot of memories of my school lunch growing up. Like, this is a very specific thing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. I can't wait to hear this. So I I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, maybe, but but I've talked about it at various points in my life. But growing up in Toronto, like, I was a child of, like, first-generation immigrants, and it was very important for them that I go to school with a Chinese lunch every day. Because they wanted to be certain that you didn't fit in. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely if the clothing i was wearing that had these randomly spelled words from taiwan wrong like like randomly misspelled words wrong in english was not enough i had to eat like this black colored food that was malodorous to western noses we want you to have a a name that sounds like it blends in with other canadians and if you want you can even change your last name to smith but if there's one part of our family honor we insist upon is that you have a lunch that will gross out all the other children so that was the thing like i always brought a thermos yeah and this goes back to like grade one or two and i remember opening the thermos and then it would be whatever last night's leftovers were right and i guess it was the 80s right so this was like exotic stuff like pork chops right or pork chops ribs right like what like spare did you go ribs to that like, ribs and pork chops were bizarre foods to bring to school that's the thing i mean it wasn't it wasn't like i was eating dog meat yeah. right it was just like i was eating chinese vegetables right beans with black bean sauce and you yeah. take this stuff out and people are like, whoa that's gross why because everyone else has their neatly cut Wonder Bread with a slice of cheese, right? <laughs> Wonder Bread with jam, yeah. right? I'm the only one with some actual nutrition looking back <laughs> on it now, and people just couldn't handle it, right? They were like, oh, and, it, and sometimes my parents didn't do me favors. Like, sometimes there was some odd-looking stuff, right? Yeah. There's, you know, in those days, Chinese groceries were not that easily obtainable, right? It wasn't like today where you could really go to town and give your kids, like, an authentic Chinese meal every day. Yeah. In those days, my parents were just making it up, right? They were creating Chinese food with Western ingredients right so i mean occasionally there'd be some seaweed and stuff and that that would just cause people to like flip out but as i was growing up at some level i just didn't care i i'm i'm really big into hot food i hate eating cold food and those sandwiches to me didn't even seem like they were food like looking at those sandwiches i was like i was like i'm okay to put up with this annoyance where the kids were just like going ape on my lunch every day yeah in exchange for being able to eat what i liked right yeah this went until grade nine you know grade nine we're going into high school i told my parents that's the end of the hot lunches I'm switching to sandwiches. It's high school. It's very important that I fit in. I don't want to be, I don't want to get beat up. I'd heard all these rumors about what happens to people who don't fit in in high school. So, wait, wait, is it really that? Or is it that when you got to high school, your parents are like, well, now you got to make the lunches. And that's when you're like, oh yeah, you know what? Make my, an entire, you know, sandwiches my parents, are good enough. My parents have never told me to make my own lunch. I don't know when, at what age your parents told you to make your own lunch, but that was never a thing. Like I, I finished High school, I went away for university, I went away for medical training, but after medical training, I came home and lived at home for a couple of years, and my dad resumed making my lunch for a couple more years until I got married, right? I never had to make my own lunch. That's not a thing. <laughs> but, Very interesting. But 
in high school, I switched to like the white person lunch. You know, my dad knew how to make exactly one kind of sandwich. Actually, he knew two. He could do like a salmon salad, like a canned salmon with mayo, which actually was quite good. Like you mix the mayo and, and, and salmon and then lay it on bread. So it's kind of like a tuna salad, but it's with salmon. Yeah, and the other one was like a roast beef sandwich. Okay, uh, right? Like a tuna these, sandwich to bring to school. Um, you know, there's just some things that go well to school and there's some things that don't, right? And, like, <laughs> gotta bring the smelliest sandwich to school. <laughs> kind of defeats the point of bringing a sandwich. So I had these two sandwiches and then grade nine, I got through the year. But again, my dad only knew these two sandwiches, right? And then there's like 200 school days in a year. At the end of that year, I was like, I'm done with this. We're going back to the Chinese sandwich. So the rest of the high school, I was just like, to heck with it, back to eating Chinese food in from a tin tin can. And, and at that point, I needed a bigger thing. And most of the thermoses in that day and age didn't fit. So I had like, I had like the traditional tin box that my dad would steam in the morning, uh-huh. then wrap in a paper bag, and then in a, in a scarf, and then in a bag, like... There were like four bags to keep the warmth of this thing until 1230, right? And and he did the same. He brought his own lunch downtown. I brought this. And that's how we function, right? But very vivid memory growing up that people couldn't stand my lunch, right? And that this is this is like a, a literary device. Like this is a symbolic of how I didn't fit in in school, right? So then when my daughter came along and we were going to make her lunches, I was like, we must continue the family tradition of really testing how thick skin you are as a kid, right? <laughs> and so we immediately started packing her these Chinese lunches in her little thermos, yeah. bring it to school. And then she went to school and then she was, she was always a picky eater. So some lunches she'd eat, some she wouldn't. At some point, like I think it was in senior kindergarten, I realized she likes to eat dumplings. So dumplings, for people who don't know, is like a Chinese thing where like you have like a a, a, a wrapper. It's made out of dough, uh-huh. and you put a little bit of meat on the inside, and then you and then you fold the wrapper up. So you kind of end up with like a. It's kind of I, I was gonna say it's like a wonton. I don't even know what it's like <laughs> in, in Western food. But then you boil these things, right? Yeah. So you end up with like a dough wrapper wrapping some sort of filling right and it's usually a meat filling or some meat and various vegetables specifically the vegetable that goes the best the best kind of dumpling in my opinion is chive dumplings right so chives just and chinese people eat chives in a different way than westerners like westerners think of chives as like this little spice they take like a chive and chop it into little tiny bits and then put like a little like a quarter of a teaspoon on their food, right? And that's something with chives. Like Chinese people actually eat the chives whole. So you take this chive, you chop up a ton of it, you mix it with ground pork to make that filling, right? So when you open the lunch container with the chives, the smell just takes over the room, right? (laughs) Right? So for a non-Chinese person to smell that, it's inevitably, oh, what is in there, right? And it does smell kind of foul, but it is an amazing thing to eat. If eaten fresh, right? And when right. you bring it for lunch. And, so, and then a year after, my, my daughter ended up switching schools and I was asking her about what her experience with the lunches was. 
because she had alluded to that like yeah like i i i didn't like eating it because as soon as i opened the box everyone would be like oh oh what are you eating right and and then and then and and then when she told me the story it just filled me with so much joy to know (laughs) that i had connected our generations together over like a 40-year period that my children were going through the same garbage that i went through as a kid and she emerged from it tougher for the experience Uh, that's awesome i'm sure i'm instilling the same bitterness to the society with which you're in <laughs> from an early age. <laughs> but really, it's funny because when you're kind of describing the story and the, and the logic and, and the, uh, the, the views of other people's food, uh, your perspective actually seems like the one that makes more sense than the, maybe the Canadian perspective. Just from the point of view, the, it's not just that you're bringing Asian food and everybody else is bringing non-Asian food. It's that right. you're bringing leftovers from your dinner. Right? Your, your concept of lunch is that it's like, a, like trying to bring a hearty, like healthy lunch. Whereas it's not like these Canadian kids ate a sandwich last night for dinner and now they're bringing <laughs> leftovers. Right? The, the, the t- traditional approach to, to lunches is very much like, oh yeah, we eat certain things because they're portability uh, mm-hmm. for lunch. And then we eat very different stuff uh, for our dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think of a lot of kids, if they brought their, their very Canadian dinner to to school with them the next day it wouldn't smell very nice either right like somebody <laughs> brings their their broccolis and mashed potatoes to to dinner once that broccoli hits the room it's not gonna smell much better than the chives it's i mean the other thing is like i grew up in a school like w- that was very multicultural right i went to a catholic school you know lo- there were a lot of people from you know you know europe European backgrounds, but, you know, relatively new to Canada, like Italian families, Portuguese families, there's a lot of Filipinos, there's, there's people from like, you know, you know, Central America origins, like Guyana, countries like that. And they're all eating different things at night. Like these guys are not going home and having, you know, processed cheese on two Wonder Breads at, at dinner time, right? They're, yeah. They do have their own culture and their own food, yet they all force, force, what is it, forsook? <laughs> they all sacrifice that for the sake of conformity at lunch, right? I yeah. Lunch was just Wonder Bread, processed cheese, maybe some ham, right? And you, and you, th- I'm thinking about that meal now, and it's it's just disgusting. I'd rather eat anything but that. Well, you'd be happy to know that uh, life has come somewhat full circle uh, in terms of Westerners or Canadians and the lunches they send their kids to school. Because these these dumplings that you're talking about, my wife mm. actually makes those now. Like, wow. We, we, yeah, we. We had gotten one of these good food boxes that had a recipe for something like that. Um, mm. And then we'd gotten some from one of these Asian grocery stores. And then my wife was like, yeah, I feel like I can, like using the recipe that I got and tasting what we're getting at the <laughs> store, I think I can make something like this. And so she makes some dumplings. Maybe they wouldn't be very authentic tasting to you, but like uh, the idea is the same. And the kids love them. And I, my, when my wife makes them, they're great. I love them too. Um, <laughs> and the kids would actually be happy to bring those dumplings to school. Right. In fact, they right. would rather, if my wife made those one night and said, you guys, I made extra, and so I'm putting them in your lunch for tomorrow, <laughs> the kids the next day would be happier to bring that than a sandwich, hands down. Awesome. When my daughter told me a story, she told me there was one exception. There was one guy in her class who really liked those dumplings. Like she, He'd come over and smell like, Oh, that smells good, right? Uh-oh. And one time he brought his own. This was a black kid, so I was I was really impressed. I mean, that was my new best buddy in their <laughs> class, right? But 
it is it's a complicated thing like and speak not just the culture and all that other stuff but just the this whole business of getting your kids a healthy lunch on a regular basis like that's not an easy thing for parents to figure out a lot of time right it's mm. you got to bring them something that's that they don't get made fun of right <laughs> that stays fresh by the middle of the day you have yeah. to figure out a way. It has to be portable. You have to figure out a way for that thing to not get spilled, to be carried over into the school in a relatively easy manner. I mean, there's a lot of considerations and you only have like 15 minutes to get it ready in the morning. So, you know, it's not easy. I'm, I definitely, as a parent now, I understand how difficult it was for my parents. And I laugh at the two sandwiches that my dad knew. But honestly, that was already pretty good in that day and age. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so much there. You know, the, the, the whole idea of uh, people of different ethnic backgrounds having embarrassment about their lunch, that's like a commonly recognized phenomenon that people talk about now whenever this discussion comes up about uh, mm -hmm. uh, sort of racism or fitting in. Uh, that, that's one of the things that comes up for people. Uh, but if, and that, I think, is, a, is an important topic that we could make a whole like, episode about in and of itself. But when I think of my own issue as a kid with lunches, I myself hated when I opened my lunchbox and there was an overwhelming smell from my lunchbox. So I, I liked bananas. I like outside of school, I was happy to eat bananas, cut them up and put them in a sandwiches, right. put it on my cereal, eat them all. But I hated bringing bananas to school. <laughs> well, that's that's for a reason. Bananas are not a food that you should be bringing to school because no matter how you bring it. As a kid, it is going to, you bring it whole, like you don't peel it, it gets yeah. banged up in your backpack, right? By the time lunch rolls around, you, you're pulling out this half black and beaten banana that's oozing, right? <laughs> if your parents cut the banana, right, that thing ripens super fast in a yeah. container. So yeah. again, you have soggy banana discs to eat <laughs> at lunch. I mean, that's not cool for anyone. Although I did grow up in the era of, of plastic lunch boxes. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, kids tend to bring their lunch in some kind of soft bag or something like that. But uh, I had, I went through a series of lunch boxes, all of which I was very proud of, including my Ghostbusters lunchbox. <laughs> uh, and those things were pretty solid. So, so the one thing about, since we're going to talk about different recipes, the one type of sandwich that works really well that, you know, I'm not a sandwich lover, but one sandwich that I'm good at making yeah. is the peanut butter banana sandwich, right? Yes. I, okay. And so you just lather that thing with peanut butter, slice some bananas. And if you're really in the mood, you could put some Nutella on that thing. Whoa. But this particular sandwich is delicious, but contraband in schools today because peanuts are not allowed anywhere yeah. in a proper society, which is just sad because that is the one sandwich that I feel like it's it's sort of healthy, right? Peanut, peanut butter itself is not that sweet. You get some protein. Bananas are healthy. I mean, as sandwiches go, this is better than processed meat, and yet it is not allowed. Uh, well, we've experimented with all some with some of these peanut butter alternatives. Mm. You can get. Uh, you mean like Wow Butter? Yes, Wow Butter. Which uh, out of my three, out of the four kids, one of them likes the Wow Butter more than peanut butter, and then the three of them have a normal palate, and they're like, "Ah, we don't want this Wow Butter." Well, the problem with Wow Butter is you could make a Wow Butter sandwich, but uh, you know when the kids take that sandwich out. It's always regarded with a fair degree of suspicion by the by the teacher. They're like, "Wait a minute, that's peanut butter, right?" So then you got to write a note. You got to explain that this isn't peanut butter. It's wow butter. Like as if the parent didn't have enough stuff to do. Right now you're now you're in communication about your ingredients list with the school. 
I mean, if you're writing a note anyway, then you could certainly put peanut butter in the sandwich and then just write the wow butter note. <laughs> now, teacher going like, that's the nicest looking wow butter sandwich I've ever seen. <laughs> As everyone else in the class is gasping for air. That's right. Because <laughs> nine out of 10 kids have a severe peanut allergy. So, so let's talk a little bit about specific school lunch issues. So okay. my first question, I, I mean, the first question is, what did you bring for lunch that as a kid, like, where do you come from on this issue? So, okay, since you ask, uh, my mom, you know, but, uh, bear in mind, I was the third kid out of four. Uh, so by the time my mom got to me, she'd had some other experiences with the whole school lunch thing. And also, bear mm-hmm. in mind, my parents also being first, uh, like, they they arrived in Canada before they even had kids. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't grow up in Canada. Uh, so my mom had had this experience where she was packing these healthy lunches for my oldest sister. And then... Mm-hmm. Uh, was finding out that she'd come home and and uh, it's not that the lunch would would be uneaten, but she'd come home and it would be like, uh, yeah, I traded my apple today for a piece of gum. <laughs> and I was like, what? You're so sort of deprived of these little things that you give away like a sandwich for one potato chip or your <laughs> apple for a piece of gum. So my mom's approach very much was, you know what? I'm packing you a lunch that you're going to eat. And uh, at home, we, you get healthy breakfast, you get healthy dinner. And when I look back at the dinners that we had as a kid, it was, uh, we ate healthy dinners. Um, mm. but, uh, but lunch, uh, I was sometimes the guy that people were like, oh, man, that lunch is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, my lunch was the lunch you wish you had. Okay, well, now you got to tell me what was in this lunch, the lunch of dreams. <laughs> you know, like wagon wheel. Do, do these things make sense to you when I say wagon wheel? Joe Louis, um, <laughs> uh, not that Twinkies Joe Louis. Were... Joe Louis makes sense to me, but not in the context of a lunch. All right, it <laughs> makes sense to me in the context of like after school snack kind of thing. Why wait to after school? You can eat healthy when you get home from school. You have that at school. Um, yeah, uh, I remember a thermos with Kool Aid in it. Uh, a Joe Louis, uh, which for Americans, <laughs> Americans think uh, you know you eat Twinkies. Uh, Twinkies came to Canada, but kind of late. Uh, but we had our own company making similar type of things. So, so like, your lunch was Kool-Aid with Twinkie. Uh, and then there'd be a sandwich. Uh, you know, there'd be a main. And sometimes the sandwich would be peanut butter back in the day or jam. Uh, sometimes it would be, um, uh, yeah, these like lunch meats. So there was something called summer sausage that you would put on it or uh, or ham. Uh, but then we also had something that... Uh, uh, you probably didn't have in your lunch when you were a kid. This may be something you only ate as an adult, but uh, uh, the Harmon specialty was a chip sandwich. So <laughs> you'd have a little bag of uh, chips, like a, a plastic Ziploc bag. Uh, we'd put some potato chips in it, and then you'd have two pieces of bread in another bag. And then when you get to school, you get to eat the sandwich fresh because you'd take out the bread, you'd put the chips in, the, in between the bread and then put together, and then you'd eat that. And my, my friends loved it because often the leftover chips, I'd be like, no, 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 these chips are just for the sandwich. You can have the leftovers. I think, I th- I, my memory may be failing me, but I think you did this in medical school. Like you at some point started sticking chips in, a, in bread. And those of us who grew up with our deprived lunches watched this, you know, and we were, sh- we were shocked. I, I had never seen someone put chips in a sandwich up to that point in my life, right? Now it seems like it's, you know, some restaurants do that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Right? They throw some onion rings into your hamburger kind That's of thing. Right. But I had never seen that before. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think anybody listening to this, if you are already somebody who is willing to eat potato chips and you and you like sandwiches or hamburgers or anything like that, if you put some chips in with that sandwich, it adds a nice crunch and you'll like it. Uh, I think what made my lunches unique was that the only thing in the sandwich at the time was chips. Uh, but apparently this was in England. Uh, this was a thing. People would do this. So... So I guess the question must be asked. Like, so your your mom's general approach was that was that lunchtime is fun time, right? <laughs> now, do you carry on that tradition with your children? Are they opening up their lunches at school, and their their classmates are looking on at them in awe? Like, here comes the Harmon lunch special of the day. <laughs> you know, oddly enough, my wife is not on board with the chip sandwiches. <laughs> I don't know. I've tried to explain the nutritional value, but she's uh, she's not buying it. <laughs> Potatoes. So, sometimes there's some sour cream and onion. <laughs> now, my my kids' lunches are, are definitely very different than what I was uh, than what I was eating. Um, so not as they might get a snack like a Joe Louis or or something along those lines. We we haven't actually bought actual Joe Louis, but mm. uh, things like the things that are popular nowadays with kids like these snacks called Bear Paws. They'll mm. get that. Uh, they'll get some of these goldfish crackers, uh, but the anchoring thing for the lunch, those are still considered the snacks that go with it. The anchoring thing will still be, uh, still be something healthy. And uh, just right. to, so that viewers don't get the impression that my mother specifically gave us only junk food. It's more just that she gave us things that she knew that we would, would eat. So like we would get grapes in our lunch uh, or like nuts in our lunch um, or yogurts in our lunch. But uh uh, but also, we would get these other things that like uh, like puddings. Mm-hmm. Well, lunch I find it for a lot of parents is one of the first great battlegrounds, right? Because it's this thing where like you know all the other meals, you know your kids are growing up with you. You can kind of monitor what they're doing, but suddenly they're off to school and now they have this whole meal that they're on their own, right? You have no yeah. idea whether they're eating it or not. You know when they're when they're young and naive. They'll come home and tell you what happened, but pretty soon, if they're intelligent, they don't have to tell you anything, right? That lunch can go straight into the garbage bag if yeah. necessary, and you wouldn't be the wiser. Yeah. And it's a difficult thing for parents to figure out. And you know, what do you do when your child doesn't like to eat this type of food, right? Yeah. One approach, I guess, is to just give them whatever they want, right? But there are all sorts of varying approaches. And so, like our family, we were really into the yelling approach, like. What do you mean you couldn't eat this? What do you mean you ran out of time? You had 20 minutes. You ate nothing, right? <laughs> to the point that it became silly. Like at one point, my daughter, she knew we would flip out if, if, if we caught that she didn't eat her lunch. And so one night, I think this was in, in, later in kindergarten, I was at home in our, in, our, in our play area, in our living room, and I was like, why is there a little bag of sandwiches in the toy bin, right? <laughs> Wait a minute. Why? Is, why is there a little container of apple slices in the in the toy bin? Oh no! Right? <laughs> right. So she had brought all this stuff home, hadn't eaten it, and then before we could like you know get her stuff and clean it, taken all these containers, then dumped it into the only place that she was familiar with that would serve as a good hiding place is the toy bin. <laughs> oh man, she didn't think to just ditch it before she got home. <laughs> Well, you know, you know how criminal masterminds work. There's always some flaw in the plan. <laughs> There's no perfect crime, kids. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so then we were like, you know what? 
you you really actually lunches are a good thing. It's a way for parents to let go a little bit, right? You gotta let your kid figure it out. If they get hungry, they get a little hungry. If and so you, I, I as a family doctor, there's always parents coming in telling me that their kid's a picky eater, and I'm like, well, how are their lunches? And they're like. I don't know. It's at school, but something happens and I don't know if they eat it or not. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, parenting less is more and it's, it's okay for your kid to have that space to yeah. like figure things out on their own. Yeah, absolutely. So that begs the question now, do your kids make their own lunch now? I just told you in our family, the kids <laughs> <laughs> will not make their own lunch until they're married and living on their own. <laughs> Oh, but it saves, it makes life so much easier when they can start making their own lunches. <laughs> well, yeah, they probably have the capacity to slap the two Wonder Breads together with a piece of processed cheese, but you want something a little more in-depth than a Joe Louis, then you're going to have to make it for them. <laughs> yeah, I guess if, if they're always bringing la- last night's dinner as leftovers, then uh, perhaps their their flame is not going to be something they're going to so, put together. So here's the, th- here's the thing, like... I am a big hot food person, right? Yeah. I, in general, for myself, I hate eating cold food, right? Yeah. Like even like my wife actually is much more okay with sandwiches and wraps and burritos and all these things. Yeah. And I just like, I need the thing to be piping hot. right? <laughs> and so that's a problem, right? Yeah. Secondly, you know, our kids just really like Chinese food. Like we'll, we'll give them the option like on the weekend, like, should we get should we go go to Mucho Burrito or should we just get Chinese noodle soup again? And it's always noodles always wins, right? Yeah. So they're always, so so for us, there's this whole thing where like the kids kind of like hot food. They like some sandwiches too, but in general, we also, we, we just want to keep it warm, have it fresh. And my parents were big leftover people and I'm not really a leftovers person. Yeah. So we always have this conundrum where we kind of feel like we could just whip up something quick for the kids in the morning that's new, right? Yeah. So we're not even doing leftovers. Now we're take this to another level of absurdity, yeah. right? So you get up in the morning and the way we've got it going is like one of us, like my wife or me, one of us starts working on the lunch. The other one's working on the breakfast. So we're simultaneously prepping all these things in the kitchen. We have about 15 minutes to get it done, have yeah. them eaten, and then ready to you know get their school clothes on and stuff. It's, it's a blur of activity in the kitchen yeah. in the morning. I like that it's a coordinated family time, at least. It's a kind of a ritual. <laughs> there is another path, though. There is another way it could be done. <laughs> all right. Tell me, tell me, Obi-Wan, what is the other path? Well, you just have the kids make their own lunches. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So let's, uh, I, this is completely alien to me, but your kids are a little bit older than my kids, or at least your older ones are. Like, what are they able to make? Uh, so, I mean, for us, we'll have these things available. So they'll, they'll, they can get out their lunch kits. They can fill a compartment with carrots. They can fill another compartment with grapes. Um, they can usually grab some of these goldfish crackers. Uh, they may bring a baby bell cheese. Uh, and then, yeah, then they make a sandwich, um, which they can get the two pieces of bread. They can put in the ham or whatever and the cheese and whatever. Uh, they, and they like different things. So some of them will make a cream cheese sandwich with uh, jam. Some of them make a, a, a ham sandwich with just nothing but ham and cream cheese or nothing but ham and a regular slice of cheese. They have their different preferences. But uh, they can put all those things together and put them in the lunch kit, then put the kit in the fridge. Then in the morning, they know to get their water bottles. So... I mean, that, that's, that, that's another way to go, um, uh, which does free up time in the morning for, for other things. Although I do kind of like the family time that you guys are 
spinning anyway. <laughs> I don't know. You make it sound much more romantic than it actually is. There's a lot of like pent up like frustration and like irritability during your so-called family time, right? We I used to dread the whole thing about having to make lunches. You know, mm. if there was a day off from school, that was the first piece of excitement was, oh, we don't have to make lunches for school tomorrow. Uh, whereas now they come home and it's still a bit of a hassle, but you know, I tell them, okay, do your after-school jobs, which means getting your lunch kits emptied out of whatever refuse is in them and then put them in the dishwasher. And mm-hmm. then the other after-school job is make your lunch for tomorrow. And then they'll, mm-hmm. they'll get the lunch made for tomorrow. And my, uh, uh, my youngest kid, and this is always the thing with the youngest kid, right, is that they start doing things earlier than the oldest kid. But my youngest kid was making her own lunch in kindergarten. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I remember my, my son was telling me this story about somebody in his class uh, whose mother must have had the same kind of philosophy of, well, you get to eat whatever, I'll give you whatever you're willing to eat. Because uh, he, my son's talking about how this kid has all these things in his lunch, and how come I can't have that stuff in my lunch? And he said, one day, the teacher actually says to him, hey, uh, um, so do you make your own lunch? And the kid says, no, my mom does. And my son was like, whoa, blown away. <laughs> So do you guys ever make the kids lunch? It sounds like the kids are making their lunch pretty much every day. Uh, except we all, we do like the idea of a hot lunch sometimes. So one day a week is a hot lunch day. So Friday mm-hmm. is usually is hot lunch day. So Thursday, when we're making dinner, we usually try to think what can go well as for the hot lunch the, uh, the next day. So mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be something like a thermos with uh, spaghetti or my wife will make her own pasta with her own sauce. Um, mm-hmm. That's like a cheesy sauce. So they'll, they'll get that. Uh, today... They had quiches. My wife had made some quiches a while ago, and Mm -hmm. we froze them. Um, And then, yeah, so we thawed them out this morning, put them in their thermoses, and they brought those. So So now, your kids are in public school. Yeah. Does the public school have its own hot lunch program? Uh, Not right now. Uh, Like... Not right now where you can sign up for something where you get a hot lunch every day. But mm. uh, pre-COVID, they used to often have uh, a specific day. Like they'd have pizza day where you, mm. you could pay some money and order pizza. Or they would have sub sandwich day where you can pay some money and order a sub. Mm. Uh, in fact, they had all these different things going on where it's like booster juice day. And even if you don't <laughs> want your kids to get these things, they see everybody else getting a special thing delivered to them and then they want they want it too. And the school's right. happy with that program because then it, it makes more kids sign up and they get more money for it because it's just something the school does to raise funds. But uh, we reached our limit when they were wanting the booster juice and then they were coming home and they've only taken two sips of it. It's like, yeah, I know, I didn't really like it. It's like, but, but why did you make me pay for it? Well, everybody else has one. Uh, enough of that. So... So I think actually we should spend a minute and talk about school, these school lunches, because this is actually a thing. I mean, my kids go to private school, so private schools, maybe they're really put more emphasis on this aspect of the school day. But they've always had like at their old school, they had hot lunch potentially three times a week. Their current school, you could get it every day. Uh, The majority of kids are not buying it every day, but, you know, some kids buy it a couple of times a week. And it's nice to have that fallback option where, like, you you forgot to make your lunch, you're out of bread, there's no time, yeah. and you can quickly call the school and order the hot lunch that morning for them if they need. Oh, at the nice. same time, at the same time, though, these hot lunches in general are 
not the healthiest thing in the world, right? And this is not even something that I recognized so much growing up. Like I, I in high school, they had the cafeteria, right? When I went right. to high school and everyone's buying burgers and fries every day. I mean, everyone else other than me, <laughs> right? And then you realize, I mean, I think it was, I think it was at some point late in high school or university that, that we started to see that hot lunches were becoming a political thing in the news, right? Like people were starting to champion around the U.S. and Canada that, that schools should really start to provide kids with healthier options, yeah. right? And and that became a thing. It was like get rid of your vending machines, get rid of your your sugary drinks, you know, serve something other than hamburgers and Jamaican beef patties. Oh, hey, no, let's not go pick it up the Jamaican <laughs> beef patties. Usain Bolt eats Jamaican beef patties. He's the fastest man in the world. <laughs> so. I mean that, but this was the thing. Like there was, there's no eating of any vegetables. It's all like you know, pretty heavy stuff. Like it's much easier to find a chocolate bar in the school cafeteria and a bag of chips than it is to find like a carrot, right, yeah, or a absolutely. fruit. So I mean, at this, on the one hand, it's nice to have this convenience. On the other hand, you know, in 2021, as over anxious parents, we're kind of like, should they be eating this stuff on a regular basis, yeah. right? And it's it's sort of similar to eating out at a restaurant or eating fast food every day. Yeah, right? absolutely. And and we're living in a country. I mean, you can speak to it. You're a pediatrician, where you know obesity is on the rise. You know, diabetes, heart disease is you know it's it's on the rise also in slightly older groups. Like, like the what you eat for lunch is an important thing. I think personally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I never had that firsthand experience with cafeteria lunches. We didn't have it at my. We didn't have it at my elementary school. And when I was in high school, I lived close enough to school that I could just go home every day for lunch, ah. um, which is I, I used to enjoy that so much, especially if I had a spare. You come home, you put on a show, uh, you start making your lunch. I would fry an egg. You know, I'd make sandwiches, but they'd be elaborate sandwiches like like Dagwood would eat in the Blondie comics. You know, these like, five layer high sandwiches piled up with uh, vegetables and eggs and protein. Uh, and then I would watch TV while I ate the sandwich, which we weren't really allowed to do when I was a kid. But in high school, your parents are gone. And else to yourself, you're eating that lunch on your own. Without, you can do whatever you want. It was great. I mean, as we keep talking about this, there's just so many angles to this lunch business that I don't think one episode is enough to cover this. Like you just talked about, I hadn't even thought about this whole going home for lunch business. Yeah. Right Now, I bet you have never considered that going home for lunch can actually be like, because you're you're pretty Canadian, you grew up in Canada, right? You probably got lots of friends, socializing well. For you to go home for lunch and enjoy your sandwich in front of the TV, it's no skin off your back, right? Yeah. A lot of kids who go home for lunch, the ish, what happens is they end up kind of ostracized from their peers because lunch is like a very important socializing time for them, right? Lunch and yeah. the recess that's attached to it. So, yeah. you know, if your parents come and pick you up for lunch or you walk home for lunch, you miss out on this huge bit of socialization that happens. And if you're trying to fit into the school, the parents often have this thing where they're kind of like, you know what, I know you're miserable at school, so I'm just going to take you out and have lunch with us. Yeah. Right. And that's not helping that situation. Right. So there's all there's a lot of things going on at lunch beyond the meat and the sandwich. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on beyond meat. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. You know, in high school, I probably did. Uh, it probably did uh, 
affect maybe my socialization <laughs> to some degree. Now that we think about my it. pathway towards becoming happy being a, a, a reclusive hermit. But in elementary school, I never had that option because I didn't live close enough to the school. And I right. do remember that there was two of my friends who lived next door to each other used to go home for lunch. And I was jealous of them a big time. I mm. felt they were getting more social time than I was. I remember they would come back and they were talking about um, how over their lunch, they watched this episode of Transformers where they introduced the <laughs> Dinobots. And I'm like, oh, man, that sounds amazing. <laughs> you know what I did? I dug a hole in the sand while you guys were at home watching Transformers and the Dinobots. Yeah, you, you misunderstood that you thought socializing meant watching more on television. That's, I mean, if everybody's watching the same show, aren't they socializing? <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I guess I never really gave that much thought, but I would not advocate for parents to take their kids out of school at lunchtime um, uh, just just because they, they think it's better for their kids to not be at school. Uh, mm. I, I think if you live close enough that they can come home for lunch, that just makes sense. But uh, in terms of actually... Uh, saying, yeah, you know what? I've made, made, my kid doesn't doesn't make friends easily, so I'm going to be their friend. I'm going to go pick them up from school and eat lunch with them every day. Uh, I don't know about that. Mm. Of course, that wouldn't have been. It doesn't matter how close I lived to school back when I was a kid. My parents were working, both of them. There, there's no way they would have let me as a as a kid in grade two come home for lunch. But uh, I. I got to say, I'm impressed that you have your four kids trained to make their own lunches to some degree. <laughs> well, um, there's another side to that. So I'm, I'm remembering this specific time where, where my, one of my kids, she's made herself her sandwich, uh, uh, but it's too big to fit in her container. So instead of getting a, like a little knife and cutting it in half, she rips it in half. So this bread is all torn up. The insides of the sandwich are all squished up and she's jamming it in the container. And my wife actually is looking at this and she says to her like, uh, oh, honey, does the teacher ever ask you who makes your lunch? And she says, <laughs> yes, I tell her my mom does. <laughs> I go, oh, no. <laughs> if, your, if your teacher ever asks, if there's been any spanking in the house, what do you say? <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> uh, not devoting enough time to telling my kids what to what to say. All right, so let's talk a little bit about recipes, and what are some things that our kids really like as go-to foods? So for lunch, I'll start. For lunch, for yeah. lunch. So one that has worked well, and I'm not a big sandwich person, and I, I think this one is walking the line between healthy and, un, and being healthy versus unhealthy. It's walking towards the unhealthy end of the spectrum. But what we found works well is a croissant sandwich, right? So don't just use the regular bread, but you take a nice croissant, slice it in half. You can throw a bit of an egg, maybe a little bit of, you know, I, I'm a party to bacon or chicken bacon or something. And, and that goes quite well with a little bit of cheese. You know, that's okay. a nice sandwich that most kids will like because yeah. croissants are delicious. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. One thing that my kids like to bring to school uh, is if we boil an egg. Mm. You know, if you hard boil an egg, you put that in the, you do it the night before, you put it in the fridge. Kids are happy to bring that to, to school, which Travels is funny. Well. Yeah, it's weird though, because I think of that as something that when you, when you go and you're peeling that hard boiled egg, it doesn't smell good. As a kid, there's no way I would have brought that to school. Well, uh, first of all, you should peel the egg for them in advance. It's not that easy for them to peel an egg, I feel. There's that's a part of the fun, I think. I think that's part <laughs> of why they enjoy it so much. 
I mean, it also introduces this other thing where you're you're having to touch the egg a lot with your sort of dirty hands. But you've already boiled it at this point. Yeah, but in order to peel it, you have to touch your you're touching it again. Oh, oh, I I see what you mean. Yes, yeah. because their hands at school are dirty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could get your kids to wash their hands. That might have multiple benefits, but have you taught your kids the correct way to peel an egg? That's the question. Uh, I'm not sure anyone taught me the correct way to peel an egg. <laughs> the correct the correct way to peel a hard-boiled egg is to take the egg and put it on the table and then roll it under your hand like uh, a rolling pin, right? Okay. You do a couple rolls so you get all these little cracks and then the thing just comes off really easily. Ah, I am dying to try this. I might just <laughs> boil an egg for lunch just so I can try this. If I've you are going to bo- if you are going to boil an egg, I suggest you if you like the inside a little bit a little bit runny, then uh, boil for 7 minutes. But if you want to boil it a little, maybe go to 9 minutes for the egg for your kids. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the ones that we're trying to make for them for lunches is the ones where it's you know, nice and solid on the inside, but without the yolk turning green. So I usually boil it. Uh, I'll usually put the eggs in the water, right. put the water till it's boiling, then turn it off once it's a rolling boil. Yes. Keep the lid on and leave it there for about 10 minutes and then, then put it under cold waters mm. to stop the cooking process. But, uh, right, but I right. never learned how to actually peel the egg. So that's, <laughs> that's good to know. So here's another, I only learned how to peel an egg recently, in the last year or two. So spreading knowledge. But uh, here's another recipe that I found works well. Like this one is derived, like, I don't, I don't know if you've ever gone to these like Chinese pastry shops, but they sell like these Japanese buns, right? So there's like pineapple buns or there's these like tasu buns. Okay. But one of these buns used like a combination of foods that I was looking at. I'm like, this could actually go real well in a sandwich. So the sandwich basically has a, an item that I don't know if you're familiar with called pork floss. Pork, pork floss is something... I did not know that pigs even clean their teeth. <laughs> Never mind floss them. Well, I don't know if they clean their teeth with it, but this is, there is an item called pork floss. It's basically like dried pork. And if uh-huh. you let it dry to the, to the point where it turns into this stringy material, uh-huh. right? Chinese people love this stuff. So if you go to the Chinese grocery store you can find these little plastic containers of pork floss. And we sometimes sprinkle it on rice. You can wrap it in sushi rolls. But one of the things you can do is put on a sandwich. So you have two pieces of bread. You sprinkle pork floss all over it. And pork floss, I got to say, it's probably the equivalent of like eating ham. It's a bit of a processed (laughs) meat product, right? So it's not great for you, but very tasty. So pork floss. And then you buy a couple sheets of this like seaweed stuff, like... Now it's pretty popular. If you go to like a Chinese grocery store, they have these little prepackages, prepackaged salted seaweeds. So you just rip it open and you can snack on these little thin sheets of seaweed. You put a couple of sheets of this with the pork floss and butter that sandwich up. Delicious. And that one has worked well. I stole this idea from this Japanese bun (laughs) store where they really lather this this like baked bun with like a lot of butter, pork floss and seaweed. And I just kind of took it and made it into this sandwich which has been a hit of late uh, it sounds good it sounds like a fair bit of work but it sounds pretty good <laughs> it, not much work at all you're basically just buttering the bread sprinkling this pre-made pork floss on it yeah and and you're done so that one is that that's that's one of my go-to's of late i, uh, I told my daughter my goal is to have a repository of 10 go-to recipes for their lunch yeah. and i so far have about three so give me a little bit more time when i get up to 10 then we'll have mastered lunch <laughs> 
My favorite days are the ones where I've already done the, the shopping and have enough of these ingredients for lunch that when the kids come home, I just have things on the table that they can choose what they're going to put in their lunch uh, mm. and work with it. Uh, I hate these days where uh, I'm going to the fridge and there's like basically <laughs> nothing left. I look in the cupboard, there's basically nothing left. And now we're having to, you know, it's funny sometimes when the kids, uh, bef- before I have a chance to tell them, yeah, sorry guys, there's not much for lunch. They come in, they start trying to trying to figure out what they can bring. It's hilarious right. some of the stuff they come up with when there's nothing to eat, what they can muster. <laughs> My wife the other day, uh, she was just telling me, she uh, she was going to work and needed to grab some stuff for herself. So she looked in the fridge and the night before we had had these type of uh, what we call halloumi tacos. Mm. Um, and the garnish on them is a type of... Uh, uh, kind of coleslaw. So there was some of the leftover cabbage from the coleslaw, so she grabbed that. Uh, there was uh, an egg, so she grabbed that. Um, and I think there was some leftover broccoli from the meal that we'd had, so she grabbed that. Um, <laughs> so then she was telling somebody else, about, like, oh, yeah, my lunch today, it was just coleslaw and egg and broccoli. And the person she's talking to says to her, uh, so what, you uh, you don't fart enough? Is that, <laughs> is that what you're trying to fix with this lunch? Oh. <laughs> uh. So I mean, what I guess to close, like we've we talked a little bit about lunches, and I did mention earlier how my parents still made my lunch up until I was older, right? Yeah. And I have to say, like when I'm sometimes making my lunch for the kids, and I'm it's it's morning, I'm exhausted, and I don't feel like doing it. I do think about my dad, who was always the one making our lunches. Yeah. And what a trooper the man was for doing this for all these years. And I realized I have nothing to complain about. I'll just continue peeling this apple. Right. <laughs> and, and it, it, like, honestly, it's as I do it, it in my mind, it does connect me to him. Right. And I feel like it might connect my children to me and to him in this long cycle of life. Right. Like, when I, my, whenever, when I got older, like in, when I was working, I don't think I brought fruit that much during high school and stuff. But during those working years, that, that first five years I was working before I got married, yeah. my dad would in the mornings take an apple and maybe some other fruit. Like I always had two, had to have two fruit, right? Nice. And it wouldn't be enough to pack the apple or just wash it. He'd, he'd wash it and then peel it, cut it into little like squares. Yeah. So then, then I could eat it with a fork. Right. Yeah. And so this, I, I was just like a new graduate. I'm working at the doctor's office. All the receptionists and secretaries are like, oh, look at Dr. Shu's lunch. Like it's so like well prepared by his parents, yeah. right? <laughs> After about year four or whatever, I got married, right? So I, I moved out. My, my secretary started laughing. They're like, now you just have a regular full apple. It's not even peeled, just sitting in there. I'm like, yeah, I don't have time to do this. My wife's not doing this, right? I, I'm on my own in the world now. Right. So that the, the amount of time and the care it takes to do these things, your kids will remember it someday yeah. <laughs> if you're the one doing. It. But in your case, I guess it's a different take home message. I guess it has to be because I look at my kids sometimes and they've already gotten out an apple uh, and their school lunch container and they've cut the apple into these little wedges and pieces with these little kid knives that we have. Uh, and then they put it in the container and then they cover it in lemon juice. Uh, because they know that that will stop it from changing color. And they put that in the fridge for their lunch. And I'm thinking, uh, I wasn't doing that at their age. <laughs> Each generation better than the last. That's what we're shooting for. My great-grandkids are going to be like geniuses. <laughs> yeah, soon the Joe Louie and the, and the Twinkies will just be a memory, just a blip in the Harmon family history. Oh, man, that, that stuff I can't even tell my kids about. 
like one day they they're gonna stumble across this podcast and be like, what? That's what Dad got to eat for lunch, and he made me bring a tangerine. Or, or they'll be like, Dad explains a lot about Dad. Now we understand. <laughs> right. Bless his soul. Died at forty six. Now I think I understand where that gigantic cholesterol clot came from. Oh, awesome. Well. Good luck to all the parents out there as they try to navigate their kids' lunch over the coming weeks. We will probably, you know, we should reconvene at some point and we can talk about a little bit more about the actual recipes. There's just so much stuff to discuss about this particular meal, which many of us don't even think about that much on a regular basis. Too true. Yeah, I can't wait to, to follow up with this and tell you how it goes with me trying to peel an egg. <laughs> all right. Have a good week, folks. Bye, everyone.